been seen on CNBC, the Fox News Channel, and the Fox Business Channel. His articles can be found on MarketWatch, Seeking Alpha, TheStreet.com, and many other places. He's the author of the weekly Best Stocks Now newsletter and the inventor of the Best Stocks Now app. He's president of Gunderson Capital Management. Here is professional money manager, Bill Gunderson. And welcome to today's uh, Wednesday, Valentine Day edition of the Best Stocks Now show with uh, professional money manager Bill Gunderson, president of Gunderson Capital Management. I'm here with Barry Kiter, chartered financial analyst. Market getting a little love today, and I've noticed here that uh, these sell-offs in the market so far this year have been one-day wonders. Uh, and uh, and then the market, uh, by the dip, I guess, uh, is still in play. NASDAQ up 119 today. Uh, not back to where it was yesterday, but uh, that's a pretty good move. It's up three quarters of a percent. That puts the Nasdaq at fifteen thousand seven seventy six after closing above its all time high at uh, sixteen thousand and eighteen intraday uh, on Monday. The S and P five hundred is up twenty eight right now. It's at four thousand nine hundred and eighty one after hitting a new all time high on Monday. The Dow's up 66 to 38,339. It hit a new all-time high on Monday, but of course was down big yesterday. Small caps up 1.3%. Crude oil is up 86 cents to $78.73 as a major escalation on that Lebanese-Israel border, which we'll talk about here in a moment. Gold is down 590, holding on to 2000. It's at 2001. And interest rates are down two basis points to 4.30. So, welcome to today's Best Stocks Now show uh, with professional money manager Bill Gunderson, president of Gunderson Capital Management. You know, uh, I thought yesterday it was a little ridiculous for the Dow to be off 525, Barry, with a, a CPI report that came in. One-tenth of one percent <laughs> right. hotter than expected. But I think that's an indication of just how uh, we've reached this game of chicken, really. I mean, how far can we take the market before people start to bail from a valuation point of view? And I think you get just a little bit of bad news like that. You can see that there's an itchy trigger finger out there on that sell button. Uh, and uh, it showed up yesterday with the Dow down 525. That th- those are the really nervous types, and <clears throat> they're the first to go. Uh, the S and P was down 69 yesterday. The Nasdaq was down a whopping 287. We did a lot better than that because you know there was actually I I saw the quality stocks like Nvidia and AMD and uh, pretty much hold their own. And then of course we have uh, I think three inverse funds right now that also did well sark uh, of course uh what i think was up five percent or so yeah yesterday. yep yep and good. uh and psq which is inverse the nasdaq but anyways uh, that was a big reaction and you had a, a 15 basis point rise in the bond market i'm just going to say that yesterday was a massive overreaction and it's caused by an itchy trigger finger uh, on an expensive market uh, the 10-year got clear up to 4.32% yesterday. Uh, the NASDAQ, I think it should be noted that on Monday, intraday, it was at a new all-time high. It couldn't hold it. It hit that. It, 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 it 
like like a little seed coming up through the earth and looking around it and saying, "Ooh, it's too cold. I'm getting back out of here." You know, it just it couldn't hold it. Uh, is has the Nasdaq met, it, met its match at sixteen thousand? Is it time to hedge? Well, you know, from here going forward, I think technical analysis will answer that question. Uh, you know, I see some major support levels. Uh, the Dow, uh, 38,000 is a major support level. And then a, a scary support level, if it were to break 37,000 on the downside, it might be time to hedge at that point in time. Uh, but right now, you know, we're, uh, we're hanging in there. Uh, and as I said, that NASDAQ hit an intraday high of 16,080 on Monday. That's rarefied air. That was an all-time high, but it couldn't hold it. And uh, we've been talking about the uh, <clears throat> the uh, PE multiple, forward PE multiple on the market right now, at about 20.7. And uh, in my opinion, it needs to get down to about 19, which would which it would take an eight to nine percent correction to uh, to accomplish that. Doesn't mean we're going to get one, but that's what it would take. Uh, and I think we're overdue for a little bit of consolidation in the market. Now, I just want to uh, go to the Israel-Lebanon thing, because that's a big deal. Hezbollah crossed the line. They crossed the red line today. They killed a family in northern Israel uh, with a rocket. Hezbollah is a much, much bigger force than uh, Hamas. They're not underground in tunnels, uh, you know, making uh, crude missiles. They have uh, guided missiles. That's going to be a, a, a nasty, nasty war, and I don't see any way to stop it right now. I really think that they crossed the line. So you've got to weigh that into the picture going forward of a major escalation uh, in the Middle East. Would Iran get involved at that point? I don't know. But as a professional money manager, you know, I have to also keep my eye on world events and how it may impact uh, the market. Well, the Dow had its worst day in nearly a year. Uh, you know, and like I say, they've all been one-day affairs that we've had here so far. Uh, and then the market, you see, buy the dip, and it comes back the next day. Personally, I think a lot of people missed out on last year's big big rise in the market, and especially in the in the fabulous seven, the magnificent seven, whatever you want to call them these days. Uh, <laughs> I think there's a lot of Johnny come lately's to the game, uh, and uh, and that's why you see the buy the dip mentality right now. Eventually, that buy the dip mentality starts to uh, you know wear wear out. Uh, there's no longer that volume coming in uh, to keep the market propped up, and eventually you see some technical breakdowns in the market. That has not happened yet, but it should happen at some time just based on the forward P.E. ratio of the market. Now, having said that, you still have to take one stock at a time. It's like yesterday. You know, the market, the, the NASDAQ was down uh, 200, almost 300 points. Dow was down 500, and yet NVIDIA uh, and AMD were positive. Uh, SMCI hit a new high yesterday, so you know what? It's still on a stock-by-stock basis. Uh, I think, it, if anything, yesterday's report just uh, fortified the Fed's standing firm with uh, don't be looking for a rate hike any time soon. And SMCI is still, go, go, still going hitting today. another new high today. It's uh, just like incredible. Now, we've got some earnings uh, that have come in that we're going to talk about today. 
by the end of the week, we'll probably have about 80% of the earnings season in. I'm going to give it a, a, a B minus grade so far. Uh, it started off with a D uh, because you had non-tech stocks reporting. And uh, <laughs> these days, non-tech stocks are also non-growth stocks for the most part, unless you're Deckers Outdoor, unless you're Elf Beauty, unless you're Lily, unless you're Novo Nordisk. No, they're non-tech growth stocks. Uh, but the growth in the S&P 500 is coming from the tech stocks. Uh, because, you know, we were looking for a down quarter from this time last year and then two weeks into earnings season here come the tech stocks and now we're looking for an up quarter maybe about two percent greater uh, than the same quarter last year Uh, we still have more earnings to come in this week applied materials roku deer pen entertainment uh doordash uh wendy's uh and uh, that's about it Uh, and then we'll call it a week for earnings And I will update this uh, Friday, Saturday, the latest earnings estimates. And I have to emphasize again, I've never seen a better indicator for the market. You can look at every indicator out there, Bollinger Bands, point and figure charts, uh, you know, RSI, whatever the case may be. But in the end, it's mathematics. It comes down to the earnings of the S&P 500 have been going up since 2009. It's as simple as that. The market follows earnings. Indexes follow earnings and stocks follow earnings. And when earnings start to falter, level off, and then even start to turn downwards, then you're in trouble. Whether it be an individual stock like a Tesla or whether it be an index like the S&P 500. Now, right now, we're looking for double-digit earnings growth in the S&P 500 this year. The bigger problem that we have right now is the valuation on those earnings, which has gotten a little bit rich. But the overall indicator for the market, are earnings still rising? The answer to that question is yes. This year and the expectations for next year are still looking very, very good. It's the multiple that you got to worry about. Oh, and then there's risk. You know, when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about a few risks that I see out there. I just named one, the Middle East. That's going to heat up. Uh, the U.S. Uh, is obviously uh, pretty heavily involved in the thick of it, at least in the negotiations that don't seem to be going anywhere. But that could have a massive impact. Uh, impact on trade with that uh, shipping channel in the Red Sea and also on uh, oil and gas prices, uh, which have now hit $78 per barrel. Okay, when we come back, let's just take a look at a few of the risks. I always like to remind you of those in the market right now, which ones are the important ones. We'll be right back. Back here to the uh, second half, second quarter of today's Best Stocks Now show. If anything, the market has strengthened here and gotten uh, even better. The Dow's now up 101. Well, let's not forget it lost 525 yesterday, but uh, it's pretty good to see the market just forget about that and, and bounce today. The NASDAQ, NASDAQ is now up 149, which is about half. It's gained back 
um, about half, a little more than half of what it lost yesterday. So the buy the dip mentality seems to be still uh, in the market. Now, the risk, okay, <clears throat> I don't like what's going on in Europe, Barry. One per, 0.1% GDP year over year. There's no growth whatsoever going in on in the European economy, and I think you can trace that to China. Oh, yeah, certainly. Okay, where China is really, really struggling, and, uh, you know, that kind of stuff spreads around the world eventually. Now, we're still growing 3%, somewhere in there, maybe 4%. Uh, you know, eventually this is going to spread around the world. It's difficult for global growth to happen uh, without China and Europe participating. Now, we still are getting growth, but we're getting it mostly from our high tech. Uh, I saw Fred Smith on uh, TV last night. Uh, Good old Fred Smith, the CEO of, uh, he started a company in 1973 called uh, FedEx. Where are they headquartered, Memphis or Nashville? (laughs) Uh, Let's see, FedEx, I believe, well, UPS is in uh, Memphis, FedEx is no. FedEx is. Um, let's see. UPS is in Louisville. I, got it I, think, right I want to here. say FedEx they're might Memphis. be Memphis. Yeah, yep, that's they're it. Memphis. Yeah. Okay. And he was talking about you know the he's he was talking about growth not really happening. I mean, yes, Nvidia is growing and uh, and uh, you know Microsoft and the AMD, but. You just take a look at your basic industries like steel and transportation and shipping. I've read that the trucking environment is not very good right now, etc. So that's a worry, okay? And I've I've stated that worry many, many times. Europe is basically flat, uh, and China is struggling big time. Okay. Number one. Number two, we've talked about the valuation of the market right now. That doesn't mean it won't go to some ridiculous level from here. That's where technical analysis and looking at the charts every day comes in real handy. Uh, because for now, I mean, the charts still look good on the growth stocks. But the valuations are stretched, which makes them vulnerable to bad news like we got yesterday. Uh, I've also read that money managers are now the most bullish they've been in two years. Okay, that's a red flag for me. <laughs> yeah, that's usually a contrarian <laughs> indicator. We that. started getting bullish in November, so it's been uh, 13 months plus two, 15. We've been bullish for 15 months. Okay, and I I, I think that kind of backs up my... my uh, theory that a lot of these money managers and individuals got left behind last year. Uh, we had one of our best years uh, ever because we we went all in in January with the NASDAQ-type stocks and started buying uh, and making those our biggest holdings. And now to see that these money managers, who are usually about a year behind the curve, you know, both on the upside and the downside, most bullish they've seen. That's called bullish sentiment. Uh, very high. And I also look at the price of Bitcoin, which to me is an indicator of, of a bullish sentiment. I, th- I think it's a greed fear indicator. And right now you've got greed going on. Uh, and then lastly, of course, uh, geopolitics. Okay, politics in the U.S. Uh, and uh, geopolitics around the world. Okay, the IRS is suing the FDIC. Over $1.5 billion in taxes owed by Silicon Valley Bank. 
That's a weird one. The IRS wants the money. The FDIC doesn't want to give it up. Uh, so we've got two government agencies. Uh, they're being audited, right? Uh, we're going to audit you. Jeff Bezos sells $4 billion worth of Amazon stock after he first moves to Miami. Now, why do you think he waited? <laughs> I heard there's a big a big tax reason. I forget the dollar amount, but it was it was significant. $4 billion in stock. What's Miami state tax? Yep, that would be zero. zero. Okay, and I think he was in Seattle prior to that. I don't know what the state tax is in Washington. Now, Bezos owns the Washington Post also, where, you know, a pay your fair share has kind of been the mantra. Uh, but, of course, uh, <laughs> he, uh, you know, goes around things a little bit. Uh, Washington had imposed a 7% capital gains tax in 2022 on gains of over 250k. So instead of paying 7%, you know, you wouldn't think it would even matter to him when you're dealing with that kind of money. But he did well. He's the second richest person in the world behind Elon Musk. And I guess that's 200 yeah, that's 280 million um, that he saved. Well, uh, that's not chump change, you know. <laughs> I won't see 280 million in my lifetime, right? NVIDIA's price target increases 32%. This is Mizuhu. Uh, they have raised their tar price from 625 to 825 And NVIDIA is, 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 is uh, trading at it. NVIDIA is hitting a new all-time high today. And by the way, NVIDIA passed Amazon as a bigger company than Amazon, which is pretty unbelievable. I, where's, where is, uh, who's the majority holder of NVIDIA? Are they on the world's richest person list? Because the company is now bigger than Amazon by market cap. <laughs> yeah, and they're not even putting boxes on our, uh, <laughs> on our porch. <laughs> no. Okay, and now I'll look at the best stocks now app and see what our target price is. We do five-year target prices. I don't know how companies can come up with five-year growth rates and then do a six-month target price. That makes no sense to me. But a lot of things don't make any sense to me that are done on Wall Street. Let's take a look at our current target price on NVIDIA. I'm sure it's over a thousand. Okay, and we've been right for the last couple several years. People say, "Ah, it'll never reach that. That's laughable." Well, you know, it's reached it, and it keeps moving. Uh, our current uh, valuation on NVIDIA: one thousand one hundred and twenty-five which only gives it 56% upside potential. I probably need to take a look at it again. Maybe that growth be, rate, yeah, probably. The, I mean, I've got an 18% growth rate. growth rate is what I'm using. So yeah. it currently has about, let's call it 60%, so it would not be a buy for me. I need 80 75% or more. But Mizuhu is raising their target price. They're catching up to us. Uh, you know, and another one I would just say yesterday that was really disappointing. Global Foundries is really trying to make a go of it by making chips in New York State. And, uh, you know, they just have not made much headway, which makes me wonder about Intel's ambitions to, uh, you know, build, have their own foundries to compete with Taiwan Semiconductor. It's been a very uphill struggle for Global Foundries, and they had a pretty dismal a dull report yesterday. Okay, when we come back, good stocks 
bad stocks, ugly stocks in the news. We'll be right back. This is Bill Gunderson. Thank you for tuning in to today's Best Stocks Now, Best Inverse Funds Now show. I put several hours of research in during the wee hours of the morning each day to bring you the very best cutting-edge stories that I can. To get two free weeks of my newsletter, go to GundersonCapital.com. To talk to us about our fee-based only money management services, call us at 855-611-BEST. Now, back to the second half of the show. Here to the uh, second uh, half of today's Best Stocks Now show. And, uh, you know, the, be- the Best Stocks Now strategy uh, is pretty consistent with, uh, you know, how we, it's very consistent with how we manage money. At the core of it all is the Best Stocks Now app, which was a spreadsheet I started developing 15 years ago before we had the computing power that we have today. You know, I did my best with the what I could with my K-Pro uh, 50-pound laptop computer and the spreadsheets and the chips we had in those days. But over time, as the power got better, I was able to improve and improve on the spreadsheet, add a heck of a lot more columns, a lot more power, uh, and it is what it is today. Uh, and it's the backbone of everything I do. Instead of having a 12-person research committee, uh, and then everybody voting and discussing on an idea. I have the app while I'm sleeping. The app is doing that work for me, and it's it it's pruning out, it's picking out, it's culling uh, the stocks, and it's relative. Okay, and it's unbiased. Yeah, it's unbiased. It could be tech stocks. It could be inverse funds. It could be uh, you know uh, uh, bond funds. It's relative. It's on a relative basis, and the app has been telling me since October, November of last year that tech, big tech, which had a terrible year in 2022, uh, is still the place to be. But there's a lot of other opportunities out there that are outside of tech that I just don't hear mentioned that much. Everybody mentions the Fabulous 7. To me, Lily with the Blockbuster drug and the app ranking at number two, I mean, is the rest of Wall Street missing it? By the time they find it, the stock will be a 1,000 probably. But anyways, okay, so that's behind it all. I don't need a research staff of 12 people. No, I made it simple for me, okay? Uh, necessity is the mother of invention. I didn't want to have 12 people looking through stocks. I came up with my own criteria that I believe are the most important criteria that include growth, that include momentum, that include quality, and valuation, which no other quant system I dared to go where nobody else had gone. They were all based on momentum. Okay, and then from there, look, and then it goes on to my uh, list of charts to look at every day. I'm beginning with a very good list. Garbage in, garbage out. You put quality in, quality is going to come out. 
And then I put it through a, a very intense sifting process. And most days I look through 800,000 charts. I don't see anything. Okay? <laughs> right. Nothing yeah, better exactly. than what I currently own, right? Uh, but other times, you know, I land on an Oscar. Uh, I land on a Carol's restaurant. I land on, uh, on on an Elf Beauty or whatever the case may be. I say, you know what? I Not only do is the app pointing to it, I like the story behind it. I like the management behind it. And uh, having said that, that's the basis. That's why we call the show Best Stocks Now. We're true to our principles and true to our discipline. And if it didn't work, I wouldn't follow it, okay? But I found it to be a very, very potent tool in doing what it might take a, a research team uh, of, of college graduates or whatever, you know, with MBAs uh, to figure out. I figure it out through mathematics, numbers, and a sifting process. Okay. Uh, the, and the other beauty of it is it eliminates what I call bad stocks now, soggy stocks now. The show is called Best Stocks Now, and I do my damnedest every day to try to come bring to your attention what the best stocks in the market are at the current time. And I've got a few to talk about in the second half of the show. I have no bias. I don't get paid any more for buying a little, other than I think the portfolios do better over the long haul when you're buying the best stocks now instead of big laggards of yesteryear, sleepy stocks that have no chance of waking up. The newsletter is called Best Stocks Now. The portfolios are called Best Stocks Now. They all consist of the best of the best. I mean, I narrow it down in each of the four portfolios to the 20 or so that I consider to be the best of the best. And it's relative. I'm not always in tech. I'm not always in high growth. The market helps me to dictate that. Uh, and the app is called Best Talks Now. So that that's kind of the brand. That's kind of the strategy, right? Yeah, and relative value is important because that tells you, you know, you can have um, you know, you could have a, a market where essentially, you know, almost all stocks, right, are, uh, are getting that uh, boost from, you know, market risk and, and, and trending upward. But, you know, you still got to look at, um, you know, it, you need to know what you value, you know, Amazon at versus, you know, five other companies because that's going to, you know, you, you can't own every company. We're not no. going to own every company. And so you, you need that relative value, which is absolutely. Uh, and uh, you know, I mean, I right before we went to the uh, uh, the break, I I gave you a, a a stock that I hope I wish it were a good stock, but it hasn't panned out so far, and that's Global Foundries, and that begs begs the question of how do you analyze a stock? You know, most people hear a story. That's what I hear a lot on CNBC, uh, the Fox Business Channel, Barron's, Wall Street Journal. I hear a story. And I see a lot of, on the Internet especially, just headlines trying to grab your attention. You know, like, uh, you know, on Yahoo Finance, I see a headline, why this sell-off could get really ugly. Well, that's clickbait. That's clickbait, okay? (laughs) (laughs) They know that a person who is very negative is going to click on that, and you're probably going to see home storage ads uh, for food, uh, generators, when the lights go out, gold, they target those ads depending on what you click on. Now, that's not a good way to pick a stock. Look at the results that the that the stock has put up on the board. 
Does Kansas City Chiefs system work? Well, they've been in the last three out of five Super Bowls. They're doing something right. Uh, you know, so anyways, okay, now here, here's some more bad ones, and we'll get to the good ones. I thought for a while there, I liked the story on the charging stocks. Because with one of our cars being an all-electric car, I came to the realization in the first week of owning it that we are woefully, woefully short uh, on charging stations. It's a disaster to go off on a trip in an electric car. So I thought the stocks, I, I especially like ChargePoint, but I realized I was wrong pretty quickly on, backed out of that. I see Blink Charging is having a good day, but I wouldn't char- I wouldn't touch these charging stocks. They're garbage. Tesla, everybody is going to Tesla's, uh, uh, you know, model. And I just don't think there's a big profit margin in selling you having a charging station that you come and plug in. They're, they're down all the time. They need lots of maintenance. So, I, you know, I don't like it. Kraft Heinz reports. Now, you tell me. Okay, what do you think that the best stocks now, best stocks now, today, not 10 years ago, not 20 years ago, what do you think it has to say about Kraft Heinz? Is that a big growth? Their growth, their earnings growth over the last five years is minus 3% per year. Minus 3%. This stock was $97 a share. Eight years ago, today it's $34 a share. It's lost $60 per share. Why? There's no growth. Look at this quarter they just reported. Their earnings are down 8% year over year. The stock is down 5.5%. But I'll bet if you looked across at, uh, well, I can look at the institutional ownership in Kraft Heinz. I mean, they love a stock like this because they can sell it to their clients. They won't complain. The funds own 53%. The institutional ownership on Kraft is 53%. It's one of those stocks, if somebody brought a portfolio for me from almost any wirehouse out there, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see this Pittsburgh company, Kraft Heinz, in the portfolio. Okay? Uh, they do pay a dividend 4.6%, but the stock's gone down 67% over the last eight years. That just doesn't qualify. That's what I call a soggy stock. A stodgy old growth giant of yesteryear. Okay, so they, they blame, they always blame something. They're blaming uh, inflation on their problems. Now, let's go to the other side of the street. A company that emerged on the scene uh, in 2018, a total disruptor. Where's the taxi industry today? Uber, look at this earnings report on Uber. We own Uber. The stock is up today 12.5%. Their earnings were up 128%. You take your choice. You can own Kraft Heinz or you can own Uber, which is now a $160 billion large cap company that doesn't pay a dividend. We'll be right back.
Welcome back here to the uh, final segment of today's Best Stocks Now show with uh, Dow up about 70, no, 50 right now, 50. Uh, but the NASDAQ's up 108 right now. That's 70 basis points on the NASDAQ. We have a nice winner today in Uber, U-B-E-R. <clears throat> That's another concept is disruptors. It's good to own disruptors. Uh, you know, there's been some very well-known disruptors over the years. Amazon, one of the biggest disruptors of all time, disrupting the entire landscape uh, of real estate, uh, of uh, bricks and mortar, <laughs> retail. Uh, Airbnb is a disruptor. Well, I could go on and on and on and right. on. Uh, Dexcom was a disruptor. Now you got Lily. I see all these ads for try our diet plan, go low or whatever it is, and I'm just thinking, you know, they're all going to get run over by a tractor called uh, called uh, Zepbound, right? right. And yeah. called Wagovi, Weight Watchers, counting uh, calories and everything. There's been a di- there's a new disruptor in town, and uh, I've always the Kraft Heinz is not a disruptor. Uh, you know, they're making the same cheese. Uh, in the same ketchup that they've always been making, <laughs> right? Uh, and unless they can figure out something uh, that's really new, and uh, you know, a ketchup that you lose weight. The more ketchup and, you eat, the more weight you lose. Put yeah, some Wagovi in it. Yeah, they know. may be in. Yeah, they may be under pressure because of uh, <laughs> because of other disruptors, right? Yeah, Being, uh, Lily. But yeah, do you see uh, on the on the Uber news, I saw uh, you know, they announced a seven billion dollar buyback. That's so big. That's, uh, that's uh, their inaugural, uh, you know, first buyback plan. They don't, uh, like you said, they're not paying a dividend, but they're buying back their stock, which is essentially the same equivalency almost. Yes. Um, but it's a, uh, it's a pretty, it's a big news for a, a company that, you know, has really been in, you know, grow at any, at, you know, at any cost, uh, kind of, you know, stage for for an extended period of time, and uh, and you know, just shows that they're, you know, becoming a more mature company. Yes, and very, I mean, it took a while for them to, uh, you know, disrupt. Anytime you come in with something, there's going to be a lot of pushback. Uh, I remember my father telling me the story. You know, he painted giant billboards, but he was in the business when he got out of World War II in the billboard business. And they came up with the paint roller, Barry, the paint roller, <laughs> which obviously when you're doing a, a 14 by 48 billboard uh you can cover a lot more ground let's say you're going to white out the old billboard and paint a new copy on top he said the union fought that roller because it would speed things up (laughs) and so instead they would brush it on this giant the white paint to cover so there's always pushback on disruption you know that was a big business in new york city selling those taxi medallions there was a, a a stock with the symbol taxi. It was a good stock at one time many years ago because they made a fortune off of selling the uh, taxi medallions. They had kind of, and remember the movie, the, the show Taxi, one of the great comedies of all time. Well, Uber is a major disruptor here. Now, I'm just going to look and see where Uber was ranked. Uh, as of Uber was ranked number 13 as of yesterday. Uh, it was ranked number five a month ago. The app has never taken a ride in an Uber. <laughs> the app has never hailed an Uber. The app doesn't even know what Uber does for a living. Uh, 
That's all it knows is when it goes out and crunches the numbers, Uber's ranked number 13 out of 5,400 stocks with a 98% upside five-year potential. A 98%, that's almost a double. Now, let's just look at Kraft Heinz. Uh, Has Uber ever put ketchup on its French fries, or has the best stocks now ever put ketchup on its fries? Uh, Has it ever put a slice of Kraft? Craft uh, American cheese on our cheeseburger. Craft is ranked number three thousand and fifteen out of fifty three hundred, with fifty seven percent upside potential over the next five years. You know, when you look at things on a relative basis, it becomes a lot more clearer, uh, and that's why I believe that a relative, uh, like you said, relative valuation, relative uh, uh, strength. Which is called relative strength. How well, is the stock doing versus the rest of the stocks? Yeah, and it's opportunity cost. A lot of you know we don't we don't make these decisions in a vacuum. You're you know it's it's your you know if you're if you're choosing one company, right? It means you're you're not putting your money in other companies. That's right. And so you dead got money. To, uh, right, and so you've got a you know you've you've got opportunity cost there, and uh, and and so that's why. You know, having something that compares those relative values on a daily basis is uh, is a very important tool. Well, you know, on a daily basis, I can eliminate 90% of the market. That really helps. If I could go fishing in this harbor here and eliminate 90% of the harbor and just hit the 10% of spots, that saves a lot of gas. It makes my time a lot more productive, etc. Now, on the relative strength, okay, the relative strength as a performance number, Kraft is a 44 on a scale of 1 to 99. That's the uh, Investor's Business Daily model. Uber is a 96. So if you're just a momentum investor, you've got one stock hitting a new high, one stock hitting a new low, one stock with a 96 relative strength, one stock with a 44 relative strength, now you throw in the value factor, the valuation factor. It's not easy to do a five-year valuation. Uh, you know, it, it is on paper, okay, but it gets a lot trickier when you're downloading numbers every day and numbers are being uh, uh, changed on a daily basis. But we do it. We, we keep up with those valuations as best we can. Uber had 97% upside potential as of yesterday and momentum. No wonder it's number 13. Whereas Kraft had 57% upside potential and a, and a relative strength number of 44. No wonder it's ranked number 3,300. Tells me the app is working. All right. Okay, look, I'm going to be working on the newsletter here uh, starting tomorrow. I send that out every Saturday. The name of the newsletter is Best Stocks Now. You're not going to find Kraft Heinz. You're not going to find Kimberly Clark. You're not going to find Procter and Gamble. You're not going to find eight. Maybe you would ten years ago, fifteen, maybe, maybe even twenty years ago. AT and T, etc. No, it's called Best Stocks Now, and it changes. And there's disruptors that come along. That's why I have to stay on top of things every day looking for these disruptors. All right, get the two free weeks of the newsletter, GundersonCapital.com. It has our portfolios, what we consider to be the best stocks now. You can disagree. That's fine. If you'd like to put our uh, uh, guys to work for you, guys and gals, 855-611-BEST. 855-611-BEST. Have a great day, everybody.
This show is not a solicitation to buy or sell any securities. Bill Gunderson or clients of Gunderson Capital Management may have long or short positions in stocks mentioned during the show. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. Gunderson Capital Management is a fee-based registered investment advisory firm. All accounts are held at Charles Schwab. Schwab is a member of SIPC and FINRA. 